Welcome back to the All Things Physical Therapy Podcast, Season 2, baby. This is your host, BBT Steph, and I'm so excited to continue sharing and uncovering the many layers of the physical therapy profession so that you can be the best clinician you want to be. Thanks for tuning into the All Things Physical Therapy podcast. My name is Stephanie. On today's episode, I'm super stoked to have the one, the only movement maestro, otherwise known as Dr. Shante Cofield, physical therapist, has her OCS, now Instagram, mogul, entrepreneur. I don't know. The, <laughs> oh list can, the list can go on forever. So I'm super stoked to have you here. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you are in your say PT journey, but I feel like it's yeah. transitioned. Dude, one, I'm stoked to be here. So thank you. Uh, two, it's pretty remarkable to me that you were able to secure that podcast name. Like, I know it's not securing it like Instagram's kind of securing it, but it's like wild that there was nothing else. Like, good That's on you. That's a good you, point. That's a good right? point. <laughs> like, good on you. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> but uh, back to the first point. Thank you for having me. And yeah, the PT journey. I love that you call it that because at the end of the day, it still is. And, you know, I'm, I'm really honored to be on this podcast and talking about this because I think we're in a time where people are really hesitant to call themselves physical therapists. They're really skeptical about staying in the profession. They're just like really jaded about everything. And I am first and foremost, a physical therapist, right? I'm a physical therapist by trade and the schooling that I got and the opportunities that came after that afforded me the opportunities that I have now. Everything built on the other thing. Like, yeah, we can look back and people are like, would you change anything? And I'm like, absolutely not because the butterfly effect is like very real to me. And I'm like, you change that one thing, everything else changes. So, you know, I went to PT school. I think my story is like a lot of other people where I actually wanted to go to med school. I thought that's the journey I was going to take, but I was going to like, okay, orthopedic surgery sounds great. Tore my ACL when I was 15, got exposed to that side of things. And I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. When it came time to do all the things, I was pre-med and went through everything. And I just wasn't fully sure. I wasn't fully bought in. I didn't know, honestly, if I would get into the med school. Like I had no real reason to think that I wouldn't, except for the fact that my friends weren't getting in. I had some older friends in college and they weren't getting in. And I was like, oh, goodness, well, I don't know if I want to like go through that. And then I was like, oh, you know, if you get in and then you're like in like the boys clubs, I wanted to be in orthopedic surgery. And I was like, I don't really know. And my guidance counselor was like, how about physical therapy? And I was like, okay. Like my only exposure to that was after tearing my ACL. So I applied to PT school, got in, went to NYU, hated it the whole time. I hated it. Like, you know, you love the people and the experiences, but I was just like, you know, I see this in the best way possible. It came too easily. I was used to having to work really hard for things and I got good grades, but I had to work really, really hard for them in college. And uh, let's not talk about organic chemistry. Cause that was the, the worst, worst the worst. I can relate to that. I took two semesters plus biochemistry and I will never, ever, 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 ever want to talk what? about it again. <laughs> what is this? It was absolute worst. Like I was a bad human, terrible human during that time. So I was used to having to work so, so, so hard. And I didn't have to work as hard for PT school. And instead of being like, maybe it's because you're good at it, or maybe because like, it's okay. I was just like, I should have gone to med school, but finished, graduated, started treating and was very quickly disenchanted by the model. I was like, are people getting better because I'm helping them? Are they getting better because I'm telling them not to do what they love? And then after six weeks of two to three times a week, then they go back to doing their thing and they're still, their pain comes back. 
So I bopped around. I switched locations I was at. I actually got into pelvic floor physical therapy. I did that for about three years. I got my OCS in there right before them. But the big change in my career came when I found Rock Tape. I was going to take a course because I live in New York City, right? So every time I went to stayed there, was training in New York City. The New York City Marathon is huge. We know that time of the year, everybody comes in and got tape all over them. And I'm like, what is this? Like their tapes flopping off, but they were all like, it works. I feel better. And I was like, who am I to say no? Like, but I didn't know anything about it. In the same time, I was like, I'm not sure about this origin to insertion, turning muscles on and off. So maybe I want to take a different course about this. So my friend Jesse was like, take rock tape. It's a different approach. And they teach you things outside of just like taping. And I was like, Okay, sounds interesting. I had kind of found Instagram at that time. I had become friends with Perry Nicholson, Stop Chasing Pain. And he was putting on a rock tape course. So I went and I loved the course. And I was like, holy smokes, there's a different way to look at the body. There's a different way to treat. There's, a, there's other things you can do besides being a physical therapist. It changed everything for me. For the first time in my life, I asked, I said, hey, how do I become an instructor for this? And he was like, I'm not sure if we're hiring, but I'll put you in touch with Allison. Fast forward, I don't know, however many months, six months, they fast tracked me because they needed somebody. Um, I got a job with them. I was thrown into it and literally never looked back. I fully committed and I was like, I'm going to be the best instructor. I'm all in whenever you need an instructor. Like, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I want to learn this. I want to be the best at this. I was simultaneously growing in Instagram following kind of by by chance, not like, oh, I'm going to grow this thing. At the time, like the big names was like Kelly Starrett and Wad Doc. I was in the CrossFit world. And so I was like, I could share information and I could connect with people. So I'm growing these students at the same time. I'm teaching for Rock Tape. I'm growing Instagram. And I did that dance for a few years. I want to say there was a golden years of Rock Tape. And I honestly, Steph, I loved working for Rock Tape because I know so many people out there Poo poo. I don't know if we're allowed to curse in this podcast, so I won't. You can curse. Go for okay. it. Okay. We're from <laughs> like, New York around here. It's fine. <laughs> like, I know Maybe the like explicit this. thing goes on, but like, you know what? <laughs> oh, well. I was like, I don't want to like get her in trouble, but <laughs> I know people like to shit on it, right? And they're like, tape doesn't work and modalities don't work and eye roll and all this other stuff. And I loved that I had grown this following and was starting to be this following, had a lot of trust from other physical therapists. And then suddenly they're like, but you work for that company and you use tape and you subscribe to this. And I loved it. Not because I was like, let's be contrarian and argue. It was like, let's have a discussion and let's open our minds to possibility and let's listen to our patients who are coming in saying they're using it anyway and it works and they feel better. So it was truly, really just an honor to be part of that company. Like they're doing great. They were actually doing really good things. I learned so much about the nervous system and pain and pain science. But worked for them, grew my brand at the same time, was able to launch my own course about assessing movement. I launched that in 2018. I launched it in New Zealand because I had grown this following and I, I put it out there and they were like, yeah, come here. So I launched in New Zealand. Second course was in Australia. And then I did the US thing. I did that for a year. And then in 2020, my goal was to stop traveling because I had done it for five years total with rock tape. And I was just like, dude, I'm tired. Like, it's awesome, but it's really, really tough. Like I'd be gone three weeks. Yeah, I'd be gone three weekends of the year. And I had been doing a lot of stuff like behind the scenes with more of the business side of things and helping people move their businesses online, grow a brand online, brand themselves online, do virtual treatments. I've been doing this since like 2015. So that was my goal for 2020. 
And then COVID was like, here you go. And it was like, actually <laughs> my best you business you year. <laughs> Literally, the universe was like, we got you. So I stopped <laughs> traveling. I moved everything to being about business. Like that was my last post that was about movement was in 2020. Cause I was just like, dude, I'm done with hip flexors and hamstrings. I'm done. I'm done with it. I've said everything that I can say about it. And I'm no longer passionate about this. And you would be best served and better served by somebody else who still loves it. So I made the hard pivot then. And the majority of people came, 99.8% of people came with me. And now I do online business coaching with a largely a focus on how to use Instagram to grow a personal brand, attract your people and support an online business. So I know it was a very long intro, but that's what <laughs> But you know what? I like that you hit on so many details solely for the fact that I was taking notes to make sure that I mentioned this. I know we, we talked about this right before recording. I love how many curves and turns the journey has because I find that talking with students so often, they see their career. I still consider myself a new-ish grad, but like as a baby, baby new grad, you think so one-track minded. Like you come out of school and you're like, all right, I'm practicing and yep. treating and this is it. And you don't realize Yes, it's one degree, but it can get you to so many other places. That, and the, for one of the first things that you said too, that like, it's not that you wish you weren't a PT because if you weren't for being a PT, then it wouldn't have gotten you to where you are today. 100%. And I think that is so like hit the nail on the head. Love 100%. that. Agree with that completely, but it gets so lost so often. So And so easily. Like I say it quite often, physical therapy is the best first career. One, it teaches you how to, manage deal with interact with listen to people mm -hmm. that's everything i don't know what business you're going to go into that you're not going to be interacting with humans in some capacity yeah. so if you gain that skill and you master that skill like you are set up for success in so many other ways and then from a safety perspective we will always have a job you may not love your job but you will always be able to eat worst case scenario you go work at a hospital you go or you just do it yourself right like if like a zombie apocalypse happened and we're like rebuilding society people still gonna need physical therapy in some exactly. shape or form like it's gonna happen right so you have this skill set that is hugely valuable and we kind of forget about that because once we go into pt school we like just talk to pts and then we're like well everybody knows this actually no one knows it like our movement and health literacy is like zero people don't know anything so you have this skill that it's always going to be around and then from a a carryover perspective, everything that I learned about the nervous system, the nervous system seeking safety and pain science can literally be applied to everything else and how I work with clients now and how we ease them into things and how we expose them gradually to things. And now it's business concepts, but it's the same approach. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much carryover and there's so much value to this. Yeah. So and again, nail on the head. I have no other follow up to that because it's like my thoughts essentially just came out of you. And <laughs> I agree. And I preach that stuff too. Like I, yes, the other thing that I want to touch on that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with this is now there's social media, which I feel like, especially in the PT world is grown so much in the past uh -huh. two, two to five years, even more so than ever before. And you're getting not just the ortho bros and their exercises. Like now there's a huge variety yes. <laughs> and now students are inundated with like so much and they're like, okay, well, do I have to now own a cash-based uh -huh. practice? Do I have to own, have a podcast? Do I have Great. to go into social media? Now, what would be like your advice to kind of then narrowing that down a little bit and saying, Absolutely. okay, maybe you should treat a little bit before you do that, but know that it's uh -huh. still out there. Uh, that right there. 
To me, I am a huge fan of The One Thing. There's a book that's literally called The One Thing. I don't know who wrote it, but there's a book. It's actually a very good book. I don't read a lot of books, but that one's a good one. My general approach to everything is focus on the thing that's in front of you, especially if you're like someone that suffers from like overwhelm. The most important thing you can do is literally focus on what is right in front of me. That is the next thing. I'm, I'm just focused on that. So if you're in school, your focus needs to solely be on finishing school. At the end of the day, there will always be room at the top of the mountain. Always. Nobody's there. People stop. So if you, you could start late, and if you are the best, you have this mastery, this proficiency, there will still be room for you. So if we look at who does the best business-wise, not like just in terms of social media numbers, because I know people that have massive numbers and make zero dollars mm -hmm. right, from social media. Like, it's very real. If we look at who is from a business perspective, happiness perspective, experiencing that success, I don't know one person that's like that that isn't phenomenal at what they do. And the only way that you get to be phenomenal at what you do is by putting in the time and the focused effort on that thing. So go treat, get the best results. There will always be room for people who get the best results. A good friend of mine, Ben Patrick, you folks know him probably as knees over toes guy. You could kind of be like, where did this guy come from? He's the best at what he does. Right? He gets the results. Am I here to say he gets results for 100% of people? No, but clearly the system works, which is why it's at the size that it is. He's also very good at telling the story and, and presenting the, the story, but there will always be room at the top. So if you are like, oh my God, the prehab guy started when they were at school and I'm 9,000 years behind, mm -hmm. what am I going to do? Number one, there's three of them. So keep that in mind. That makes a difference. <laughs> Number two, focus on the task at hand and be the absolute best at it. And when you've mastered that, you go on to the next thing and become the absolute best because there will always be room at the top, no matter how late you start the journey. Yeah, I love it. I think it's remembering, yes, that there is always room at the top, no matter how late you start, because everyone gets so tied up in numbers, especially with the way social media just yes. is. You can see, it's like right there. You're like, I see they have a lot of numbers. <laughs> I see it. And I don't have that. But it's also like finding your people, which I know you talk about often. And yeah. if it's if you're passionate about something and if you're the one that's happy at the end of the day, that's what really matters. 100%. And I like when you said focus on, you know, what's in front of you too, because everyone's so caught up again, especially because of social media and yeah. seeing what everybody else has and maybe what they don't have. They want more and more and more. Bad. But if you're not focused on what's in front of you, you're never gonna get to that. Bad more peace. The goalposts always keep moving, right? One of the best things we can think about is contentment. I think when people hear contentment or they hear the word content, they think of uh, like resignation and like uh, settling. But contentment is purely like, I'm happy with what I have. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't be happy with more, but like I'm happy with where I'm at and pride in what I have. And those who are able to experience that are infinitely happier than the person that's just looking around and chasing everyone else's dreams and everyone else's goalposts that just keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. You know, I'm the first to say like, you know, go big and be the hardest worker in the room and do the most, go ahead. But there is something incredible about practicing contentment. And I think it's really central to true happiness. Yeah. And it's also following your passions, but understanding that they're also going to change and it's not a yeah. bad thing if they do change. Because again, it's one of those things I feel like that some people may look down on like, oh, you're leaving the PT profession. What do you mean? You just yep. did six, seven years of school. How could you do that? All this time, all this money, all this stress yep. and effort. 
but understand that, you know, not even just in the PT world too, so many people change careers or they have side passions. Like how many people do you know, go into real estate or go into, you know, exactly. So many different things, whatever. And I think so many different things like this, it's something that I try to scream often. And I'm like, you don't have to be just a PT, but Mm. also don't feel the pressure of having to do something else if you don't want to. That is it, right? Sunk cost fallacy is really a big thing. And listen, I get it. It makes sense because the financial investment of PT school is so great, which is mm-hmm. the number one thing that I will recommend or say to people if they ask about PT school and whether or not they should go. I'm like, I don't know. That's up to you, but go to the cheapest one you could find. Like, I will say that yeah. because when I went and I, when I went to college, like, I feel like there was more of an emphasis put on like the connections you went that you could make there and like the name of the place. But like, I don't like go on Twitter. So I was going to say, you can go on Twitter or you could go on Instagram and like message somebody that is the head of some program or is running something that you want to be a part of. Whereas before you had to like make these connections like in person, it was a bit different. Mm-hmm. So to that end, I would be looking at school that has the most amount of like in-person hours, clinical hours and the lowest price tag, because that is very real. I'm not going to act like Oh, yeah. if it was free, then it's different. It's a different story. <laughs> well, that would be, like, that'd be lovely. Like, but this shit is expensive. I totally get that, which is why people hold on to that sunk cost fallacy. And they're like, but I spend so much money, but I spend so much time. And it's like, well, the rest of the time moving forward is going to pass anyway. So you might as well be working towards something that you enjoy. Absolutely. And it's, it's uncomfortable to acknowledge at first, but you have to remember it's like for the long game that you're, the is. uncomfiness now is for the comfiness later. The thing that's really cool about admitting these things and saying these things, and you had mentioned before about finding your people, I'm a little big proponent and advocate of attracting your people by you show up in a certain way, you're going to attract those people. When you start saying these truths, you're going to realize that you're not alone. Like we think we're so special and nobody else thinks like us. And we're like, you know, you ever go on TikTok like early in the morning? I feel like that's when all your for you videos are just like, nailing you in the head they're like oh nope that wasn't your own that's not an original thought nope neither is that one either and i'm like okay it's six o'clock in the morning why are you you're not getting targeted Uh, people (laughs) to have the same thoughts as you and so when you show up and when you say this like one of my podcast episodes that did the best and this guy when i say did the best i mean i got a lot of people responding to me because podcasting can be lonely you're just like talking into the screen if you're if you're by yourself just talking into the mic you don't know it's into the void right so anyone listening to this if steph does calls to action and asks you to message her message her because it's very lonely podcast you just talking into the microphone by yourself but uh that episode that i got like the most responses from was one where i said i don't like treating i've never liked treating i'm not bad at it i'm actually quite good at it but i've never liked i don't like the hand holding i love the assessment component i love figuring out what's going on and then i'm like all right go do the thing and when i said that so many people were just like wow i didn't know i could say that And I didn't know that I wasn't the only person who felt like that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I love treating, I love doing all these things. Amazing. Lean into that because you'll attract your people that also love treating and then give yourself grace. If at some point you're like, I want to go in a different direction or, you know, I don't love that thing as much anymore. That's fine. Give yourself grace, pivot, lean into that. And you'll attract the people then that have that same interests and values. Mic drop. I'm just gonna end up saying like I love it. I'm just gonna repeat it after everything that you say because <laughs> you I stay no vibing, words. lady. I want to switch gears a little bit too because this was something that it kind of goes into what we were talking about a little bit, but it's also a little bit different. You always post about, especially on stories, that's where I see it the most. Like live your best life, 
Yeah. And diversifying your portfolio. And so I personally, we don't really know each other on that personal level, but I will just share something about me to emphasize my point here. So I switched my job after almost being there for two years in one hospital and then switched to another hospital that the quality of life for me just skyrocketed. And I don't know why, but I've always watched your stories for like the past year or two, but then recently they're just like really in my face. And I'm like, you know what? I need to do something for myself. Like I need to be selfish here and live my best life or diversify my joy portfolio, especially obviously COVID didn't help. I took that really to heart. So I want to know what those things like mean to you when you, when you share it and what does that mean to you then on a personal level as well? I love that. I love that. Well, first off, props to you for doing things that make you happy and and leaning into that because people don't do that. But diversifying your joy portfolio is actually a quote that came from a client of mine, Holly, who we were talking about life. And one of the things that I have always talked about is it relates to confidence. When you can diversify the things that bring you confidence, when you can diversify the things that bring you the sense of self-worth and things like that, it can make it easier when you're in a certain scenario to borrow from that other area. But when you only have one thing that really brings you a sense of fulfillment, a sense of pride, a sense of value and worth, it's really tough when that thing isn't going well. You're just like, everything is the worst. I, I can't do anything. I am the worst. So we're talking about it with Holly and she was talking about happiness and she was like, oh, diversify your joy portfolio. And I was like, dude, yes, that is it. And that comes, it's the same concept, but just about things that bring you happiness and bring you that fulfillment. And I think that the value of that lies in kind of the idea of, creating this like fertile ground. Like I'm just thinking in my mind, if I close my eyes, like I just imagine like dark, rich dirt. I don't know. I don't even plant stuff. So I don't know if like dark dirt is good, but like in my mind, I don't think it should be like light colored, right? So like, it was like dark, like dirt that you could do anything watered. Exactly. I'm like, it's, it's good, right? It's very viable dirt and anything could grow out of that, right? It could, it could be weeds, but it could be flowers. It could be this. You could put something on the top of it, right? You could put cement down over the top of it if you want, because it's solid. Like either way you have, so much opportunity. And that's how I view a joy portfolio and having joy in your life. It just sets this really fertile ground for everything else to go better, to go well. Like, you know, as humans, again, tying into our PT background and then understanding the nervous system, we are born with a negativity bias. We all have a negativity bias because it keeps us alive. We know the things, we really remember the things that were bad because we don't want to do that again, even though it's like some dumb shit we equate that to like, oh, and I burned my hand, right? It's the same concepts. You don't do it again. It keeps you alive. We can train more of that positivity bias, which for me has been incredibly helpful, right? When you have a situation and you can look at it in this light, or you can look at it in this light, your choice to look at it in that more positive light can be a massive, massive difference. And to me, diversifying your joy portfolio allows for that because it gives you so many different things to draw from so that you can always have this, this kind of state. Even if like I'm having a bad day or like, I really don't have bad days anymore. I moved to California, it's great here, right? I'm in SoCal's palm trees outside. But even if something's bad in this area, I can go outside and look at a palm tree and there's good weather. Or even if like business is slow, it's fine. Then I can go and play volleyball and I'll get joy from there and just have this fertile ground for you know creating my best life. So to me, that is what it is. And for me, you know, the, the joy sources, they're so varied because we've diversified. Uh, but for me, I would say that the biggest thing, not that you asked, but the biggest thing that I, because I think it's important for many people is where you spend so much of your day. 
So top priority for me there is where you live. Like I cannot put enough of an emphasis on enjoying where you live. You're there all the time, all the time. That's the foundation. It's like that needs to be the top of the list, top priority. Like I moved from New York City because of that. Like it was good when I was there. And then by the end, I was there for nine years. I was just like, I really struggle to be happy here. It is really a lot of work to be happy here. I'm pretty sure I would be happier by the beach in the sun. And so I, it took me three years, but I you know, was able to move. So that to me is what diversifying a joy portfolio means and, and looks like. So now we know students in PT school usually are inundated mm-hmm. with studying and yep. they're overworked, stressed. I know personally, when I was a student, I barely saw friends and family until like the second, third year. And like, I realized, you know what, screw this. I need to make time for them and <laughs> not study 24 seven because that's helping no one. But for people who are maybe making that like student to new grad transition, and they're now trying to focus so much on being a mm-hmm. PT, but then also like you do need to have the things that make you happy outside of your profession totally. or career. What are some tips or advice that you have for people who maybe, you know, should start revisiting that concept of diversifying their joy portfolio? I love that. I love that. I love the differentiation there and the like, acknowledgement that like when you're in school, like, yeah, it's probably sucky and like, just do it and like, get it done. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like th- this gets through it. Right. But I think that there comes a, a prioritization of what makes you happy because it may be being a phenomenal clinician. That is what brings you the most joy. And if so, and that's top of the priority, then like lean into that. And then, you know, like Steph just said, okay, like if then you're ready to start looking into other things, then I would say, okay, what fits in the easiest and what become these things that carry over the most, which you probably don't know initially, but you know, I I would guess for most of us in the, the PC space, movement of some kind is huge for us. And so that becomes like this non-negotiable, right? This joyful non-negotiable that I know that I need to have this in my life. I, when I graduated from PT school, or actually at the end of PT school, I was a member of four gyms because I knew that the ability to go work out, and I was because I was in the city, but then I was in Queens sometimes, and it was in Long Island. So the ability to have access to something that brought me joy was very important. And so I had four gyms. So number one, prioritizing those happiness sources, and if it is being a clinician, then amazing, go all in, lean into that. And then we say, okay, what's next that transfers over the most to the, to the most area, other areas of life. And what's, you know, the easiest to, we can actually change. So if it's like, oh, I want to be in a warmer place. Okay, that's great, but it may not be feasible right now. Okay, cool. So what is accessible to me right now? What can I incorporate on a daily basis? And then we're not throwing that other thing out of like, I want to be in a warm place. That's still on the list. It's that we're doing what we have to do now and checking the things off and supporting ourselves as we work towards those those other things. Yeah, and I think that's huge because it's some pressure, but not an overwhelming amount of pressure to really prioritize yourself. Because I know sometimes it can that. be overwhelming, especially when you're new and you're trying to figure out your career, but also like be there for your patients and that, best that. help them. Um, so it's huge. For sure. I think that, I'm also a fan Steph, of like doing things until you hate them. <laughs> it forces change real fast. Like everyone's going to be different with this. And when we're talking about marketing, there's a reason that prevention doesn't sell until you have that pain point. You're like, but I don't care. Like it doesn't really matter. I'm not really going to too much about it. 
So I am also never want to scare people away of like, oh, don't work too hard because then maybe one day you'll hate it. I'm like, fine, great, do it until you don't like it because then you'll change real fast. Real, real fast. change, absolutely. But it forces it. And if you've been devoting yourself up until then and really putting yourself in, then you have skill set, you have mastery there, you have proficiency there. I'm sure you have connections there. You've done well there. And that will lend itself to whatever move it is that you're going to go into the into the next thing. So I think there's nothing wrong with like you're sticking it out and you're doing this thing. You're not sure about the change. That's fine. Stick it out. And then at some point you're like, that's what I did in New York. I was like, I have to leave now. It took me time then after that, but it solidified the decision of, I remember, Steph, oh my gosh, I was walking to work. It was a big snowstorm and I was walking to the train station and I was like, well, this is the worst and nothing had been shoveled yet because i you know a lot of those facilities the ortho facilities have like the alternating schedule which i thought was so dumb it was like you work in the morning and then makes you work no the afternoon sense. makes no sense no sense so i was on the morning day and so i was walking to the train station but it was early and so no one had shoveled anything yet and i was just like this is the end this is the end for me i was like i'm either gonna buy a canada goose jacket or i'm gonna buy a plane ticket and I bought a plane ticket to California. I went to check it out. And it took me another, you know, two years or so to, to make the move just because I fight financially and I'm making making sure everything made sense and work-wise. But that was like, okay, I've made the decision. It was very, very easy. Leaving my last job when I was in the city, same thing. I And I stayed there and I was like, okay. It wasn't like I was bitter and salty and like uh, all shriveled up about it. But I was ready to make that decision. And I think there's nothing wrong with sticking something through until you get to that point. It makes it easy. And I think that's really important because like like we kind of said earlier too, people are afraid to make changes. And when yeah. it's for anything regarding life, especially a career that they put so much time into. But sometimes you need to be put into those situations where you're almost at like your wits end in a yeah, way. It's and- true. Because it's not that you're settling, it's just you're scared and you're like unsure. And like, is this the right decision? I don't really know. But like, <laughs> exactly. we're just going to do it and try to figure out anyways. And, you know, I used to have in when I first started my Instagram page, one of the quotes when everyone did quotes in their bios and, you know, all aesthetic mm-hmm. and stuff, I did like growth never comes from comfort zones because that's what I was starting to feel as I was evolving yeah. over my time as a new grad and and I got to the point then after my two years at my first job where I was like Mm-mm, not working no. I've been talking about it for a while but you know what now it's that we need to that jump right ship there. because the, the longer you are there especially when you start feeling it then the worst you're gonna start feeling exactly too. and you have to exactly you have to know when to recognize that line and when to trust your gut like, yeah exactly absolutely trust, trust your, gut. your gut and make the decision and move on to the the next and thing do, for some people it takes a long time self too because i think that others, part. other people's opinions also tend to they trickle infiltrate. in yep <laughs> should i should i'm supposed to absolutely that is a huge huge thing and for many people that takes many years it's like what i you know coach people through for many people it takes them years de-educating right as we would call it in pk where we've learned this thing we've ingrained this thing this model has worked for us we found safety in this thing and suddenly we're like wait Maybe it's not that good. So now we have to implement a new model and kind of pull that back. And that can be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly scary for people. But even within that, the decision that someone makes, and I love that you said that, the decision that someone makes, the only time it sticks, the only way it works is if it's theirs. So, you know, getting to a point where you're like, I am going to pursue my happiness. I'm making the conscious choice to pursue my happiness to go and do this that is when things will actually stick that's when you'll actually make the moves if before then someone's pushing you or you think you should or everyone else is doing it 
it doesn't stick the same way. The decision has to be yours. Has to be. Kind of coined this term too over the past few years of having social media too is I know everyone says the expression like stay in your lane, but I've kind of made it a little not so negative because <laughs> when you. I was a student, <laughs> when I was a student, I wasn't alone in this, but I was very influenced by how everybody else around me was studying, where they were doing their clinicals. Obviously, most people I feel like want to do outpatient ortho when I was just mm -hmm. like, this ain't my that's gig, wild. where am I yeah. going? You know, and I think that's where it, it kind of starts early on from when you're a PT student, because you're totally. you're so worried or that you're not totally. going to do either the right thing, but you have to really look inward and say, well, what are my interests? What is yes. going to be best for me in the long run? Because it's your career and it's your patients one-on-one -on -one that you're going to be working with. So, you know, you need to make sure that you are in the best position for yourself and then for them. Yes. And that's your yes. yes. And it's so scary. And for many people, counterintuitive, depending on how they've been raised, depending on how they've been socialized. So you used the word earlier, and I think people feel, take a very negative approach to being selfish. It's automatically viewed as this very bad thing. It doesn't have to be, right? We can flip it and say, putting yourself first is doesn't mean I said, fuck it to everybody else. Like It doesn't mean that at it's all. It's a very Maybe. uncomfortable feeling to recognize that. And yeah. I like that you said based off the way you were raised and socialized, because that's something that I've had to work on a lot the past totally. few years. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm not, it's not negative, but like, this is my life. And it's in, exactly. it should be only in my hands. Right? When you sit there with it, you're like, but this is my life. No one else is living it. Like no one else has to live it. No one else is going to live it and be with it for as many years as I'm alive. And yet somehow other people are in control of it. Other people are dictating it. Other people are living it. But like when it's something that you're just raised with, socialized with from a young age, you don't, why would you question it? And how can you question it? Cause you're like a kid. Like that doesn't. <coughs> Therapy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy and reading my social media posts that I, I use as like a therapy outlet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It is, it is huge. And it's something I'm actually giving a talk in a few hours about this. And as I was sitting there last night, it's, it's about, uh, I retitled it, you get how to get what you want. And I strategically titled that because I know people are going to be like, ah, that sounds so like manipulative. And I'm like, it's literally an objective statement of how to get what you want. Like, it's not bad. There's no inherent, but we place these values on these things and we're automatically like, oh, if you're putting yourself first and you're not thinking about anything, anyone else and you're a bad person. And yes, there's very much a like male female bias with that and big, if big differences with that. But part of the thing that I think about when I was, or part of the thing I thought about when I was writing the presentation for today is like, I am just inherently very fortunate in how I was raised. Like my mom's been in my corner to my biggest supporter. I never felt questioned about things or like, you know, put down or that I couldn't do that, or, or I was never told to take up less space. Like I was always allowed to be me. It was a perfect storm for things, which is why I, I very much also now lean into this whole shtick of more you, because I feel like I've been given such an opportunity to help other people who want that help do that. Right? I was I was given this leg up. I was given this head start. I was given this privilege because of how I was raised and you know born into. And I realized that other people, it's not something that's as natural for them to be like, I will take care of myself. I will, uh, you know, assert my needs and I will do things that bring me happiness and wanting those things isn't inherently bad. I realize now that that's not just a natural state for many people. Facts. It's a bridge that I feel like everyone 
needs to cross at some point. And obviously the sooner or the earlier on the better, but I think the pandemic has accelerated a lot of people's inner thoughts or like introspective thoughts. And I I think that's huge and that's great. Yes. But yeah, it's it's something that a lot of people, I feel like, especially when you're in a profession that you want to help people, you're constantly looking to please other people that does not help either. Nailed it. Nailed it. I think that the dance there becomes like the both and like everything is both and everything is gray and, and realizing like, Yes, the type of person that's attracted to physical therapy is a helping type. It's a service-oriented person. It's a person that likes to help people, but also realizing that you are a people, right? We're like, I'm a people pleaser. And I'm like, okay, are you people? Well, then make sure that you're also pleasing yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. (laughs) That's it, right? It can't just be like, I'm only doing this for everyone else. Okay, cool. And also, what are you doing for yourself? They They can both coexist. I think that people, it becomes very like, binary of like, okay, if I doing this, then doing any of this, then is bad. And these people can't get enough. And it's like, they can both. Yeah, absolutely. You can give yourself happiness. You can do what makes you happy. And you can also be of service and provide value for other people. And also a third option. It's okay for people to be upset. That's like a thing. (laughs) It's okay. True. It's a thing. It's It's a thing. It's a thing. You're, you're not going to be able to please everybody yeah. all the time, every time. Yeah. We cannot do that. We cannot control people's experiences of us. We cannot control people's expectations of us. We cannot control how people feel about us. All that we are in control of is our own personal attitude and effort. And that can be really scary and, and horrendous to think about and be like, oh, wait, what? I can't. But at the end of the day, that's that's what it comes down to, which is to your point, why it becomes so important to cross that bridge and be like, it's okay to seek my own happiness. And it's just more helpful for others for me to seek my own happiness and then, you know, proceed from there. I feel like this episode's turning into like a little like soul digging, like therapy session for whoever listens to it. And I am like so excited to share it now because I Dude, love it. I mean, <laughs> how many times have you been treating and this is what it is though, right? Like that was the big revelation for me in treating. Yes, biomechanics matter. Yes, didactics of things matter. But I got to a point where I was like, I think if I opened a clinic and I had it outside, this is when I was in New York City. If I think if I opened up a clinic and I had it outside in the sun and we just hung out, people would still get better. Yeah. Like not to shit on that. physical therapy, but the like, that component of things and having people feel seen and heard and cared for, that is so incredibly valuable. I love biomechanics. I love talking. Let's talk about fascia. I fucking love it. Let's talk about mechanoreceptors. Love it. I love touch. There's so much value in all this. Absolutely. But there's also so much value on this other side of things. And how many times are you like, man, I feel like a you know therapist. I am a physical therapist, but you go in these sessions and you're like, think I'm a therapist now because we're dealing with humans, which is why, again, like we said earlier, physical therapy is the best first career. Especially in a healthcare system that's very broken and most people don't get listened to. And I I find that more, especially so in the hospital, like the amount of doctors that A, don't introduce themselves, B, run in and out of the room. And then like the patient looks at me sometimes and goes, wait, who was that? That. What what just happened? And then I have to like re-explain it to them because I have a half hour with them. 
Um, you know, there, there's such a huge ball in our court and there's so much I feel like that we have to offer from whether the physical perspective, the mental perspective, like obviously pain science is becoming a huge thing yeah. more so now than ever before. And which is great because it realizes A, just how complex pain is and then B, how much it's, you know, influenced by more humanness. Yeah, that's what like, it's a good word. <laughs> humanity being a human, the humanness of things. I think that people like, just need a cheerleader and a, and a person in, so their, many times. in their court so many so 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 many times right like i think it's really important to bring that up you know just for anyone that's entering the field because if the pendulum always swings to these extremes and people love to talk in absolutes because it's just you feel like they have more control over things and again never seeking safety and they're like yes i will speak in this and there's it's scary to be in the gray but you have people that just either shit on manual work they should the other people shitting on exercise the other people shitting on the biopsychosocial approach the pain science approach when in that reality everyone is right everyone has a place at the table and it's super important to be able to just think about hey i want to help my patient out and, and taking all of those things and marrying all those things and realizing again that we're treating a human. It's never just one single thing that is the only thing and it's gonna work for every single person. Right, and we know it's not one diagnosis as one treatment and one size uh, fits all approach. So we need to be able to pull from all these different avenues uh, and things like that. As we wrap up, any final thoughts or tips for anybody listening, students, PTs, new grads, people, whatever in general? Uh, I would say there is no fire. When you can remove urgency from whatever endeavor it is, you put yourself in a position to be able to make way better decisions. Uh, no matter if we're looking at growing money, growing muscles, whatever, growing an Instagram following, the name of the game is longevity. And so doing the things that will allow you to stay in the game the longest are the things that are going to allow you to emerge victoriously uh, and as if we're thinking about victoriously let that be subjective and personal to you it's not about you know necessarily putting on the blinders because our brains work in terms of comparison but remembering to prioritize your happiness and diversify your joy portfolio as i said earlier mic drop <laughs> Where can people find you if they have questions or want to chat? Sure thing. Uh, Instagram is the easiest. I don't do the TikTok. I'm I'm quite a bit older and I have not gone down that route yet. I have my <laughs> handle, but I, I can't get into it yet. Uh, Instagram is the easiest for me. It's at The Movement Maestro. Maestro is spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O. Uh, if you want the website, it's themovementmaestro.com. DMs are always the best because Lord knows I take forever to get back to an email. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You guys know where to find the Movement Maestro if you have any questions or want to reach out. And thank you, Steph. This was freaking awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the All Things Physical Therapy podcast. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe to stay updated on new episodes. You can find more episodes like these on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And to stay up to date, follow dpt.steph on Instagram or go to www.dptsteph.com.